Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Wondering if it's a good ETF to jump into now. Is it going to keep doing what it's done, or what are your thoughts on that? And provides unbiased answers. Uh, I think there is likely a pullback here uh, in the in the offing. Invest Talk, over 28 million downloads and counting. My question has to do with insuring residential rental properties. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our January 21st, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And on today's program and podcast, I am going to do my best to operate with the, our own mission statement called Independent Thinking and Shared Success. And this is an assurance to you, our listeners, that our market reports, our process explanations, our educational segments, our stock commentary are all presented without bias. And our goal is just to give you the facts, give you the perspective that we have, and let you make your own educated decision. That's what life is about, right? We all make educated decisions every day, and nobody feel fears things more than making decisions about things they don't understand. So we are here to help you understand these decisions better, understand the various aspects of investing, the economy, markets, saving, financial planning, etc. So I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. You shape the show. You really do. Whatever is on your mind, I can, I can have topics to discuss that I think are interesting, but ultimately we want to hear from you. In fact, you can call and interact with us right now during this live streaming program from 4 to 5 Pacific time each and every weekday, or you can leave your question anytime in our Invest Talk voice bank. That number never changes, 888-99-CHART. In fact, let's get right to our first caller question now. Hey, Happy New Year, gentlemen. I wanted to call and get your advice on S. CHP, which is a Schwab ETF for tips. Um, I wanted to see if you thought that that was a safer place to park the money for long term. I have a pretty aggressive portfolio, so I wanted to diversify a little bit with the likely inflation coming, if that's how that would work, or if I'm way off the mark. Thank you very much. Love the ship. Well, I like this ETF. This is the Schwab US Tips ETF. And its yield is only about 0.37%. So it's still very, very low yield, $62 price. You're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 cents per month. Talking about $1.40. Eh. Actually, not too bad. Now that I look at it. Okay, so the 12-month yield, 1.1, excuse me. So you're still getting a decent yield for something that's relatively safe, right? You're still investing in treasuries, no default risk there, where in other types of vehicles, emerging market debt, corporate debt, municipal debt, 
certainly there's some default risk. Um, even if you're investing in a fund, though, you, you're not going to have default of the entire fund. So to me, bond exposure in this market, you have to be very strategic. And that's what you're trying to do, right? You're, you're looking at safe treasuries and tips is going to keep up with inflation. Well, this question is, will it? Will the reported inflation numbers be accurate and thus reflected in the tips payout? It's a question. So if you have a lot of equities and you want to gain bond exposure, there are various ways to think about it. This is one. Another would be high-grade corporate bonds. Another would be junk bonds. That would be the aggressive way to do it, although junk bond yields are now at record lows. Somewhere around, I think, sub 4%. So, you know, we like to buy individual bonds, find those values that are in, in the marketplace. But if you don't have that expertise, then a fund is probably a good way to go. Uh, and I would look for something that's taking some credit risk in this environment. Why? Because I think the Fed, governments are going to come in and, and kind of save the day and juice markets whenever things get rough. You saw that last year, right? That they'll come in, help corporations stay afloat. It's now a political football to make sure the economy grows, the markets do well, etc. And so, to me, if you're trying to gain bond exposure, I would like I like the corporate space. I think you're getting a much better yield, much better hedge against inflation as well. Just don't go too far out in the maturity. Hope that helps. Now, my answer to our caller question was a demonstration that today on this program and podcast, I will do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to all of your finance and investment questions. I know you want and need strategies to help deal with market volatility and guide you towards your own version of financial freedom. And that's what I'm here to do. So I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. Now, let's check in the market today. You had a modestly down day overall. All the S&P was up 1.2 points. The NYSE was down 78 points, so that's a much broader index. So that was roughly half a percent. So very, very modest down day. The Russell was, after many weeks of strength, it's starting to show... A little bit of weakness over the last few days as we chop sideways this week. Down 19 points today, once again, about a half a percent. So the market broadly as a whole was uh, modestly down, but a very overbought level. So you should expect some, at the bare minimum, chopping and filling. And I think what the big question over the next, I would say, three to four weeks is now that Biden's in office, and he's unveiled his plans, what happens when Congress gets back in session and starts to bat around the idea of a $1.9 trillion stimulus? Does it come in that high? Odds are no, it does not. It comes in somewhat lower. Is it 1.7, 1.5, or is it something sub a trillion dollars? And I think the market will react based on that ultimate news. You know, I think this is a lot of buy the rumor, potentially sell the news of the reflation. So that's the way I'm looking at it. The big question is, when does that finally trigger? Now, if it's big enough, if the stimulus, the market is happy with the stimulus and the potential impact, then you might just get a chop sideways and a consolidation before another leg. 
So a lot rides on potential stimulus measures as well as not any unanticipated news events. And one, in my mind, that I'm, I'm, I'm keeping on the, the radar for is for tax increases. What will that proposal look like? Uh, will he potentially limit, eliminate the capital gains advantage over income tax? Right? There's a lot of there's a lot of economists that believe you should tax capital higher than labor, and that's one line of thinking that you potentially could move towards. So that's something I think the market's not paying attention to yet. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We made it. We're now into the third trading week of 2021. It's important to remember that through the market uncertainty, the task of building your own particular version of financial freedom must continue. You cannot afford to backslide even though the pandemic is starting to come in the rearview mirror, right? So your goal of financial freedom will require information and effective strategies, and that's what I'm here to help you with. So your participation is vital to this show, and we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's head over to New Jersey, and we're going to speak with Mark. He's looking at the transportation sector. Hi, Justin. It's good to talk to you. You too. Are you uh, looking to gain exposure to transportation? You want to short this sector? Do you own it? What's your story? I do not own it currently. I watched, uh, thank you for all the great content. I watched your recent YouTube video where you mentioned it did well. So I'm wondering if it's a good ETF to jump into now. Is it going to keep doing what it's done or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I do think it's a little ahead of itself. The the MACD and the, the indicators to me are looking like the momentum is waning overall. And so to me, it's not a name that I would be excited about buying at these levels. Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here uh, in, the, in the offing. But if you are expecting longer term for governments to come in and, and uh, stimulate the economy, spend on infrastructure, uh, refocus the manufacturing of goods uh, domestically versus overseas, right, right reshoring, uh, longer term, transportation should do fairly well. The problem with transportation index as a whole is that there are different types of transportation, right? You have airlines, which I'm not a fan of, and you have you have uh, railroads, which I would be more of a fan of than, than airlines, that's for sure. You have the FedExes of the world, which and UPSs, which had a big boom, and a lot of the positivity is priced in. Uh, from the recent move since the pandemic. So uh, it's not an area that I'm getting excited for at the moment, especially if you look technically. They have been relatively weak over the past uh, uh, couple of weeks. And although it, it did, it's, it's done well compared to you know, utilities and, and uh, the, REIT, the real estate, the REIT space, um, it's not an area that I'm just... It's not on the top of my list. Let's just say that. So 
I would hold off on it, uh, but I would look at specific sectors, like I said, railroads on a pullback in the market. I think that is an area that would be attractive. Thanks for the call, Mark. Now, my focus point today concerns the story choosing your favorite cryptocurrency depends on your trading strategy and personal preferences. And we're going to unpack Ethereum. Everyone talks about Bitcoin, but Ethereum is a little bit different. Now, we're unpacking these stories about cryptocurrencies because clearly they're, they're here to stay in some way, shape, or form. How they evolve, how they are implemented into our lives, and on what time frame is still very, very up in the air. But we're going to discuss that as well as the recent news about Bitcoin that could potentially throw some hiccups in its viability and its trustworthiness. And we're going to unpack that story. Also, Silicon Valley, named after microchips, right? Obviously, that's where you have Intel and a lot of the big uh, microchip companies. But the microchip world is changing dramatically, has changed dramatically. So we're going to go over what that the new sector environment looks like and what companies are going to generally benefit overall. doesn't mean you go out and buy them, but you, in order to invest in that industry, you have to understand how the industry is evolving and where it is headed. Next, the muni market has had a recent surge, and we're going to unpack why that is and whether what that means for the sector as a whole. And then lastly, robotics, automation. Uh, there, you've seen a surge in 2020 since the pandemic, and there's still a lot more to go on that front, and it's definitely here to stay. So we're going to uh, potentially unpack that story if we have time. But ultimately, I want to hear from you. I want to know what is on your mind. 888 chart 888 Now, it is a new year, and I think it's worth a minute to take some time out and make sure you're aware of how we work with clients at KPP Financial. We remind you that there, that here in Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So how we do that is we implement unbiased guidance, both on and off air, as well as practice parallel investing, meaning we invest in the same strategies as our clients, myself or Steve. So we encourage you to take advantage of our offer for a free portfolio review assessment. You can do that via Skype, telephone, or Jive meetings. And you can send us a message through investtalk.com or you can call our Irvine, California office at 800-557-5461. Obviously, no obligation. Just love to help in any way. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. Calendar year, yes, says 2021. Pretty crazy to think about and and ponder, but we know that there are many changes ahead in markets, so naturally you will have finance and investment questions for me. So your participation is important to me, and we want to hear from you. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's a new year, and building your financial future takes information and commitment. So you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Yes, I'm calling on QuantumScape Q is quarter SSM. 
corporation uh, makes self-state batteries, I believe. Uh, they just went public. My question is, uh, would this be a good investment? I think it's so expensive right now. They went public, and they've been running around $13, $14. They ran up to about 120 or 30 now they're down to 85 And just want your thoughts and comments on it. Thank you so much. I'll take my answer on air. Have a safe, happy new year. Well, since you left that message, it's now down to $50 a share. So quite the volatility from a high, like you said, of $132.73. So down 62% in just a matter of roughly a month. So this is a name that recently went IPO. Very high valuation on this name. Talking about a market cap of $18 billion. And... I will say this. I know Steve took a flyer on Quantiscape, a uh, small position, uh, because the promise is that, hey, they have a better technology for batteries, and they're going to dominate. Their, their standard of solid-state batteries is going to dominate the EV world and the, just the uh, application of batteries in a large scale across the world. That's the story. Uh, will it ultimately come to fruition? Is there product viable from an economic standpoint, right? We've seen this a lot with, um, what is it? Plug power is one of them. Um, hydrogen fuel cells, right? Fuel cells have been around for a long, long time, but they've never been economically viable. And that's another question with QuantumScape. Uh, personally, I, I don't have intimate knowledge of their technology, but they're certainly, certainly could, certainly could pull through and really hit it out of the park and be a $100 billion company rather quickly. But you're going to experience a lot of volatility and you're betting on a story because they don't have really any business now. Right? It's just R&D, IP, and they don't have any revenue. They don't have a business. So it's completely speculative, but I will say Steve does have a small position. My focus point today concerns this story. Choosing your favorite cryptocurrency depends on your trading strategy, your personal preferences, and we're going to unpack Ethereum. And everyone talks about Bitcoin, and I really want to unpack Ethereum because it's, uh, it's different and it's similar in many ways to Bitcoin. Now, both are powered on the principle of large distributed ledger technology, right? The blockchain. There are some major difference though, differences. Ethereum has transactions that are confirmed in seconds versus Bitcoin where it's many minutes. And each has different goals. Both are broad. Actually, both are specific problems that they're trying to solve. Bitcoin, for example, is trying to be an alternative to fiat currencies. And although there was hope early on that it would be also a medium of exchange, clearly that's transitioned, that's transformed into more of a base layer, something that long-term isn't transacted on in massive numbers like uh, the Visa network, for example. But it's a base layer. To build on top. Well, Ethereum is in some ways that, but it also is a platform that can allow 
programmers to build software on top of the Ethereum platform and use the Ethereum currency as a settlement network. Right? It helps to facilitate, facilitate the transactions that are being executed within software that's built on their network. So there's an API that developers can use to simply create applications. Now what this does is if as more and more applications use Ethereum and these APIs, more and more transactions happen on the network and it creates more demand for Ethereum, right? Because in order to interact with that particular software, you need Ethereum, okay? So that's really the, the main difference here is that technolo technology advantage and it's trying to solve different types of problems. And I kind of like this in a way because it cre the developers are creating natural demand, right? As these applications are rolled out and utilized, it's kind of like a specific country, right? If you're in a particular country, for the most part, you need to use that currency, right? Which creates demand for that particular currency, right? If you go to Japan and you want to transact in Japan, you need yen. And if you come from overseas and you go to Japan, you need to transfer your dollars, whatever currency you have, into yen. And that creates demand for that yet those yen. So same thing with Ethereum. Basically, if you're operating within those particular software platforms, you need this currency. And so that's what makes it different and to a lot of people, more interesting and better. On the next Invest Talk, this story. Billionaire investor Leon Cooperman advises, enjoy the bull market while it lasts. He says the market is near, near term outlook is probably okay, but long term, we've borrowed too much from the future. Steve will unpack that tomorrow. That's, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Becky in Kansas City, and I am a landlord. My question has to do with insuring residential rental properties. And I'm wondering about going with uh, liability only on them. It just seems like the uh, profits are being becoming less and less because the taxes are going higher and higher and the insurance rates are going higher and higher on the properties, but the rents haven't gone up. So I was trying to figure out if we could cut back on the amount of insurance we have on the rental properties. Some say just have liability only. What's your opinion? Love your show. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Well, I agree. I think uh, insurance 
companies make more money than they actually pay out, but it all comes down to all comes down to your needs and your risk level as well. So uh, also, how old is the property? Do you need insurance on uh, you know a potential uh, a potential things breaking? Right? Do you need a maintenance insurance? Things like that. Uh, you know, I don't really have a great answer for you without knowing your specific situation. But what I would say is, if you are having trouble justifying the investment and the return on your rental investments uh, based on the overhead costs, then maybe you should maybe sell it, right? Uh, especially if it's a rental, it might be out of your area. Uh, that might be a better opportunity in other parts of the country, right? There are always various areas of the country that have different economic growth uh, projections, uh, different cap rates, and don't feel bad about doing 1031 exchange into another property in another area. Uh, if you don't feel like you're getting the proper return, you could always do that and should always explore that possibility, right? Uh, and another possibility is saying, hey, maybe I sell it, especially when prices are relatively high now, and put that money into safe investments, right? Four or five percent. If your cap rate's only four or five percent anyway, you can get a similar return with no headache, right? Very little headache of being a landlord. So that's something to think about as well. So skimping out on a little of insurance, not a terrible idea, but in general, I would explore once again a 1031 exchange into a more attractive property or just investing that in the market where you're going to. You could still earn decent returns uh, in this market. Let's go to Charles in the Moreno Valley. He wants to talk about REITs. Yes, Justin. Um, I understand that the new president is going to discontinue the 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. And I've I would heard, like to I've know heard they want to do that, yes. I, what effect will that have on REITs? Well, REITs are a pass-through entity themselves. So unless he's outlawing the REIT structure, which I highly doubt he is, then I don't think it should have much of an effect at all. Don't they sell appreciated properties and trade up to different properties? Yes, that's uh, certainly... Uh, Certainly could have an impact. Um, I actually, frankly, I haven't really looked into it. I honestly don't think they'll get rid of, rid of the 1031 exchange. It, really? it's, the market is, is telling us that that's not the case. Uh, real estate stocks keep going up. Um, you know, The uh, companies that are aligned with that particular industry would have shown the ill effects. So I've heard that they've floated that idea. But once again, this is something that has to pass Congress. A lot of people are taking an Obama plan, or not Obama, a Biden plan, and thinking that that is going to be what is implemented. No, not at all. He may be, because he has control, or the Democrats have control of House and Senate, uh, that they will, it'll be a little easier. That's absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that he's going to get whatever he wants. And I don't see a 1031 exchange being 
really on the chopping block. Uh, I think the the capital gains tax going up is probably a first order effect of his tax plan versus a 1031 exchange, but it's certainly something to uh, be looking out for, but it's not something that we think is going to be uh, implemented. I hope you're right. Thanks for the call, Charles. 8899 chart, 8899242278. So you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's touch quickly on the chip market. The chip market, this is uh, this is one of the most high-tech industries in the world, right? Chips are getting smaller and smaller, getting more powerful and powerful, and being put into all types of products, right? Almost every one of our products that we own today have has a chip in it to some degree. And the things that have a lot of chips, we rely on more and more each day. Think about your phone. Think about your car even. Right? In fact, Volkswagen produced more vehicles than any other firm last year, but it said it would make it, that it will make 100,000 fewer this quarter as a result of chip shortages, microchip shortages. Now the micro the mic the market cap, excuse me, market cap of listed semiconductor firms now exceeds four trillion dollars, which is four times what they were just five years ago. Historically, chip production is a very volatile industry. You have to put out a lot of money, a lot of investment in infrastructure to build these chips, well, that's no longer really the case. But the problem is, while it's becoming easier and easier to design chips, which it is, it's becoming harder and harder to manufacture them. And that's what Intel has kind of run into. In fact, Intel recently fired their CEO, which, who was the former CFO, so you could see why your financial head is probably not the best person to keep you ahead of the game of innovation. This goes back to what we've said many times about the qualitative analysis of a company. And one of that is leadership and who is leading the firm. And how important is innovation to that particular industry? Well, in the semiconductor industry, it's very important. And so that's why Intel is falling behind. They're stuck on 10 nanometer technology. And Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor are already on the three millimeter technology and looking at, I'm sorry, is it seven? I think it's seven. Yes, seven. And they're looking at five millimeter, or three millimeter technology in 2022 and then two millimeter a few years after that. So Moore's Law, which years ago said every couple of years, the p power of these microchips would get faster and faster, would double basically over those two years. Well, that two years is now creeping into three years. Why? Because you're, they're operating on such small, such small size and molecules almost that it's becoming very, very difficult to produce. And there's now only three major manufacturers of chips. Taiwan Semiconductor, Samsung, and Intel. And Intel is struggling with their production. And Taiwan is an island near China, who China says is their territory, 
and that could be a potential lightning bolt for war, for geopolitical disruption. And then you have Samsung, which is in South Korea, just miles away from one of the most volatile countries, North Korea. So you look at the large chip foundries, and it's difficult to produce. And these companies are having a tighter, tighter lock on the production of chips. So that's why you're seeing chips prices go up. And the ones that are innovating are doing much, much better. But there's a lot of money coming at this space, including China as a whole. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. As you might assume, the greatest number of our listeners are here in the U.S., but we have listeners from all around the world, and we appreciate all of you, whether you're listening in Saudi Arabia, Russia, Thailand, Korea, the U.K., Australia, China, Japan, Switzerland. Stephen, I thank you. And I remind you to tell your friends and family members about our free investing and finance podcast. Please keep those calls and questions and emails coming in. We enjoy them all. And you're welcome to call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you. That number is 800-557-5461. But for now, our phone lines are open. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. Hi guys, Lee from North Carolina here. I had a question about Stitch Fix, ticker SFIX. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hey Justin and Steve, this is Phil in Washington, D.C. Love you guys, I've learned so much. Or they can leave their questions anytime, 24-7, in the InvestTalk voice bank. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888-99-CHART. Let's grab another live call from Katarina in the Bay Area looking at BHB, correct? Correct. Okay. Looking at BHP Group, this is one of the largest, very globally diversified mining companies in the world. They provide or they drill for iron ore, copper, oil, gas, metallurgical steel, uh, etc. So this is broadly diversified. It's principally in Australia. That's where its headquarters is. But it has operations all around the world. Very big company, $181 billion market cap. And it looks like its dividend yield is about 3%, which is solid. And it's been on a run since the March lows. So its 52-week low is $29.78. And now we're at $72.33, just a few percent off its all-time high. Or its 52-week high, excuse me. So this would be a commodity play. And I like it. I like commodity plays in general. And this is a name that is broadly diversified. It's going to... Uh, get a tailwind just from a weaker dollar overall. Most of its uh, most of its revenue comes from overseas, uh, and so a weaker dollar will certainly be positive, translated back in the dollars. So, uh, do you own it, or are you looking to buy it? Yes, I'm looking to buy. Okay. For a long time. Okay. Well, 
I do think it's a little overbought here. It looks like it's losing a little momentum, and I could easily see a pullback here just for the commodity space uh, in general, especially your industrial commodities. But uh, to me, a pullback into the 65 area, it's a 72 now, would be a great buying opportunity. That's an area I would be picking up BHP. We like it. I like it. Uh, I would be looking to add it on a pullback. Thank you for the call. Okay, thank you very much. Now, I've often told you the Invest.Caller Caller questions come in day and, day and night on our Anytime listener line at 888 charts Let's take another one right now. Hey, Steve or Justin, long-time listener, first-time caller here from Miami. My question for you guys is, let's say I am bearish on stock and I sell 100 shares of that particular stock and immediately the trade starts going against me. Can I sell a put at or near the money in order to reverse that loss? Thanks. Wanted to get your opinion. Have a good one. Bye. I'm trying to conceptualize this trade because you're you're talking about a short versus a typical long. You're talking about a put versus a lot of people like to talk about calls. And so you're you're basically basically what you're doing, right? You're you're saying uh, I I'm long a company and it's going against me. Should I sell a call at or near the money to reverse it? Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on your strike. It depends on applied volatility. There's a lot that unpacks a lot to unpack with uh, a trade like this uh, it's not something I would do just because it's going against you to sell uh, an option it, it's just not in in my nature to advise in that way just as a, a willy-nilly type of trade you really need to unpack all the details of it for me to give you some uh, direction so if you want to call our office I'd be happy to kind of break down the pros and cons of that strategy. And that's what really it's all about. It's understanding the risk and reward, right? You shorted a stock, that's a layer of risk, okay? Now you're going to take another step, either sounds like selling a put. Well, that is another layer of risk as well. And they do fit together and they work in conjunction, but you have to be able to analyze that, unpack those risks and rewards. What are the pros and cons and how do they work together and to mitigate risk or potentially increase your risk? Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. So we've had a very fruitful show. Hopefully, it gave you a lot of insights, a lot of great calls, a lot of uh, different types of questions. And we're ready for more. So our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call InvestTalk. Do we have a disadvantage, us investors, on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action They're right there in New York? And what's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Justin right now on InvestTalk. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. 
Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Let's head up to Walnut, Walnut Creek and talk to Kyle. He's looking at SGMO, which is San Gamo Therapeutics, a biotech company. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hey, Justin. Thanks for the call. Long-time listener here. Um, I own San Gamo, creeping up on about a year, so almost a long-term holder. It's done a good run, and it's coming back. So I'm wondering, should I hang on or should I cut some of my gains? I would cut your gains here. This is a name that, like you said, is run up. Look like it looks like it made a lower high here from its 2018 high, which was around 20. Let's see. Let's get a weekly chart real quick. That was around 28 dollars or so a share, and it just recently peaked right around 19. Its earnings or lack thereof is getting worse. Right, last year it lost 82 cents a share. And this year it's supposed to lose a dollar six, so business is supposed to get worse. Even though revenue is going up, and they have some interesting partnerships, uh, they have never made money. And so uh, this is a name that I would certainly be getting rid of, uh, especially now that it's rolled over. The daily chart looks very weak. Uh, when do you hit that one-year mark? Thinking about uh, within sixty days. Okay. Yeah, well, let's hope you still have some gains after six, in 60 days, but it, it, you are getting to that point where uh, it probably makes sense to, to wait it out. Uh, you could also look at options here as well, right? Uh, you could sell some calls going out that far uh, to potentially hedge yourself. Um, there are some strategies that you can think of to try to mitigate some downside in the stock, uh, maybe even buying some puts here around 14 uh, strike going out a couple months. So that's something to think about as well to, to limit your downside and lock in those gains for the final couple of months. So I would think about that as well. Uh, thanks for the call, Kyle. That was Sangamo Therapeutics, S-N-S-G-M-O, excuse me. Now, lastly, let's touch a little bit on the muni bond market. And this is in light of the $1.9 trillion proposal. Remember, it's a proposal coming out of the new White House. And it calls for about $350 billion allocated towards state and local governments. And this has been a big boon or is looked to be a big boon for these state and local governments that are struggling with revenue because of COVID and higher expenses, right? More workers, uh, more steps to shut down facilities and uh, institute social distancing practices and sanitation and all the things that go into trying to mitigate the spread of, of COVID. And what's interesting is that Investors have flocked into this high-yield muni market. And there's a couple reasons for that. First is credit risk is now much, much lower, right? As more and more money is being allocated to these local governments, it lowers dramatically the potential for them to default. And I think that's ultimately what you're going to see. This is an, this is an example of the way forward for governments. It's to spend money to nationalize debt 
in various ways. And we saw that with corporations as well as some state and local governments back in, uh, was that March, April, when the CARES Act was passed. But what, the difference now is that unlike the $150 that was allocated, $150 billion that was allocated last year under the CARES Act, it was restricted then to coronavirus-related expenses. Right? It doesn't plug the hole in tax revenue, for example, of people that aren't paying their taxes because they're laid off on their home, uh, sales tax revenue, etc. But this new money is able to do that. And so, as you can see, governments are creeping and creeping and allowing more latitude with the money that they are giving out. And that is why you see muni yields going down. Also, tax rates could go up, which makes munis even more attractive. Well, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, as well as investtalk.com. And be, please be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. 